Happy New Year, Dave. Happy New Year, Daniel. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm still a bit tired um, because we were like, I don't know, like meeting friends and playing charades with them. Yeah. And it was like super fun. And then we went out. So I went to watch the fireworks and then did some more charades and weird party games. And it was nice, but it was very late. <laughs> So yeah, I, I, I think I'm just quite late for you because um, you were you were messaging later in my day <laughs> and we're twelve hours apart and I was like, hang on a second, isn't Daniel normally asleep by now? Oh yeah, yeah. it's New Year's. That makes sense. Yeah. Like <laughs> you you posted me a message. You're like, okay, I'm I'm already. Um, what did you say? Uh, I can't, I can't find it. I find it right now. But you said you, you, someone said something along the lines of the lines of. By the time Daniel starts drinking, Dave already has a hangover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would be true if if I drank very much at all. But um, yeah. I, I did have a little drink on New Year's. Actually, I had a yeah, that's fair. And that was quite nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Other than that, I like I had my family here for a week. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or part of the family, as I want to say. Um, and that prevented me from really playing KSP a lot, which has been a topic for the, uh, for the last show already. But, um, I've, I've been playing for two days straight, basically. And it's so good. This game has a story now. Like there's actually mm-hmm. spoilers that I don't want to say, say on, on the air. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of forget the, forgot the time. So. <laughs> So when I, I just looked at my watch, I was like, oops, I have like half an hour until until we record. So I needed to bring back my Kerbals home and, and land them safely and whatever. But they're all safe. Okay. Well, that's what counts. That is yeah. what counts. I remember with the original game and my kids playing it when they were much younger, um, they had several Kerbals orbiting the Earth on a very mm-hmm. long orbit, I guess. Um basically just floating out there in space stuck forever yeah <laughs> that will that will happen but then the 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 rescue missions you kind of build yourself like oh I, I need to build another like spacecraft to get out there and bring the original one home like that's half yep. the fun right yeah uh if i mention it to them and tell them that they've still got kerbals stuck out in space there's that slight twinge of of ancient guilt sort of spreads across their faces <laughs> <laughs> oh, i used to have this mod where you need to needed to pack enough uh snacks and and oxygen and like life support systems would would need constant energy mm-hmm. so if your solar panels break <laughs> your kerbals are done for oh, and no. that was a bit stressful but like like kerbals are fine like you can just leave them for a, for a year <laughs> just stuck you out can, in space they're, they're like gigantic tardigrades in that respect i mean yeah but uh for anybody who doesn't know kerbals are the little green men who you have as like pilots in kerbal yeah. space program and you shoot them up into space um inside of your your the rocket that you build or whatever craft um yeah exactly yeah, and it is very, very easy to end up with them stuck up there, out there. Oh, it God, is. Now I feel guilty and I never even played it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so far in this safe, I have no Kerbals stuck anywhere. I had to mount a few rescue missions. Anyway, hey, welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about the majestic um, Kerbal Space Program player lifestyle <laughs> and the indie developer lifestyle. Join your scintillating hosts, Dave and Daniel, and let's hear about a tiny slice of their thrilling lives. Join us while waiting for a review. Hey, Dave. Hey, Daniel. Are we talking about anything else except um, little green space aliens? We probably are. We probably should do, to be fair. So I'm trying to think of what I've been up to since we last last chatted um Mm -hmm. and if i look back at our show notes for the previous show actually before i talk about anything i should probably apologize for my audio on the last episode for anybody who caught that shame big shame yeah i used my my airpods uh rather than this microphone uh because we had technical difficulties once again Um, yeah 
I've since discovered that my my audio input that I usually record on the audio interface I've got only seems to be picked up by this Mac, this Mac on one USB C slot in particular, or uh, okay. which is on the back. So explain the setup. So um, you have your microphone is plugged, I assume, via XLR into yes. a audio interface. Yes. That audio interface is plugged in via USB into your computer, right? Exactly. Yeah, and okay. and the audio interface has a like a, a um, it's like a I call it like a printer USB cable, right? It's got the fan mm-hmm. one going into a USB A um, right. plug, which then got, I've got then got going into a USB A to USB C converter and plugged into the back of the studio. All right, if but the I conversion plug- hasn't has never been a problem before, right? The, no, the, a the conversion to C. isn't a problem. But if I plug it directly into one of the USB A sized ports on the Mac Studio, it doesn't mm-hmm. work. Oh, so you you oh, so the Mac Studio still have has USB A ports? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. I don't think it's the Studio as such. I'm really not sure. This is mm-hmm. probably some sort of strange chipset disagreement thing going on in in the computer. I have no idea. I've tried it with different cables, plugging it through the front ones with the converter, different converters, uh, and it was just through pure chance. I was like, I'll just plug it in this one on the end, and it's like, oh, yeah, it recognizes it. So it could even be software, for all I know. But, Hmm. uh, yeah, so if anybody has any particular insights into why a, a Tascam US one times two audio interface wouldn't work with a Mac Studio. Uh, I'd love to hear it because it's absolutely confusing to me as to why it's not working. But it is working now. So that's that's good. And um, hopefully we don't have to suffer AirPod quality audio coming through into the recording because although it's good enough for us to speak it's not good enough really for you all to listen to and yeah um, yeah audio quality is so important it is it really is but uh moving on from that thinking about what i've actually been up to since we last spoke well when we last spoke it was just before christmas and i put up my my landing page for go vj pro Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's been cool. I've had, um, I think, getting on for nearly thirty people subscribe. Oh wow! And that's uh, like that's just like just around Christmas where people are maybe not as online as they usually are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that that's cool. I mean, it's it's not a runaway success in terms of like hundreds or loads and loads of people signing up, but it's a, a reasonable number. Uh, for when it was put out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's good. I've, I've had a bunch of good contact from people as well, um, sort of in the in the VJ scene, as it were, sort of expressing their, their interest in terms of being like beta testers, uh, which is cool. I, 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 I've set up a, a second mailing list because what happened was that people were messaging me on um, on Reddit, actually, of all places. Reddit seems to be uh, where I've had the most traction with all of this. And they, they were messaging me saying, hey, when you're ready for beta testers, let me know. And um, I replied to one guy and said, yeah, that's great. I'll add you to the list. And okay, so the second mailing list is for beta testers, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what I've done is is after I said, oh, you know, that's great, just, just drop me a line with your email address, bunch of other people saw that post and started messaging me directly saying, hey, I'd like to be a beta tester too. So, yeah, 30 subscribers to the mailing list, but about eight uh, to beta testers in waiting All right. made themselves known. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So I mean, I, you I, usually have to divide those numbers by 10 or so, but even then you have like mm-hmm. three potential customers and 0.8 potential beta testers. <laughs> yes which which yes. is nothing to sneeze at not at all and, and and really like i say it's an indication of of initial interest rather than the overall market right you've not hit everybody mm-hmm. all at once with those posts um yeah so that that's been quite fun just to sort of see that coming through and to have some of that contact and, and i've had some feature requests and that sort of stuff come through as well mm-hmm 
meanwhile, we've hit the break and I have been adding stuff to my video pipeline. Uh, so that's that's also been been fun. Um, so I've now got camera input working. And um, I've also added NDI in there okay. as well. So and, uh, what's what's NDI? NDI, uh, I believe it stands for Network Display Interface. Ah, uh, that's the thing where you can like display your video on another in another app, basically on another computer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can send the video feed um, over network. And it is a protocol, it's a proprietary protocol, actually, uh, which I would normally be a bit adverse to, but it's a bit of an industry standard. Uh, and, and what it is, is that it's focused on being incredibly low low latency. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, and it's used all the way from, you know, fun little VJ setups, um, which tends to be what I'm playing with where people are just mixing video for the audio for for whatever's going on um all the way through to people using it in broadcast situations with dedicated cameras uh proper wired networking switches you know you name it so it's it's a really flexible protocol um and like i said it's used in broadcast uh, as well as at this level so i've added support for that at a very basic level, I've got a node that uh, when you connect anything else to it, start sending that output over network uh, to anything that can register an NDI feed. So that, awesome. That's been very fun. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So I've got, uh, I, with that, I was testing, and I put a video up actually the other day uh, where I was sending video from my iPad uh, over network to my Mac. Yeah, and the latency is really good as well. Like if you look at the video, there's there's the slightest sort of delay between what the iPad's doing and what you see on the, the Mac screen. And you can yeah. pause the video and see, but it's very slight. Yeah, it is impressive. I remember I remember that. We'll we'll post a we'll post a link to the show notes to that to that um to that mm-hmm. post Mastodon. Yeah for um, sure. Which like latency like video video compression with so so little latency is just like really like magic and it's yeah. so helpful too um because i use a lot of the time i use a tool called tuple mm-hmm. uh to to like basically pair program with uh, with people with my coworkers and that is like very very like optimized for reducing latency and that's like really really impressive just like you type on another per- person's computer so your keystrokes go to that computer and then the mm-hmm. image of the um, letters appearing needs to come back, right? And it's damn near instantaneous. And that is just <laughs> really, really cool. And That's of course, awesome. I also, um, I play Kerbal Space Program <laughs> on a um, service called Shadow, which is a Windows PC in the cloud because I don't have a Windows PC here. Yep. Um, which I wouldn't be adverse to putting a second computer here but um, just like the, I don't want to have like another keyboard and mouse and whatever, and mm-hmm. like definitely no other screen. And my screen doesn't really support Windows PCs, and so yeah, yep. <laughs> it's it's just it's just very convenient, and it's it's um, you pay per month. So anyway, no. I, I I should go get away from the topic of KSP. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> NDI, NDI. And low latency video. Um, yeah, it, it's, I mean, for me, it's potentially a bit of a game changer for, for everything that I do with these apps, right? And that it then means that, that what I've done can be connected to all manner of other things. Mm-hmm. And that, that goes all the way through to sort of, you know, professional big boy VJ software, if you like, like media rig um, media server. Uh, Can it also accept NDI video, like as a source, basically? That's the next bit I've got to build. Huh. So it will. Yeah. Uh, so in the last uh, two or three years, NDI have added uh, support for ARM chipsets for de- for for being able to decode uh, the the protocol. 
and that has opened up the ability to to receive NDI on iOS. Fantastic. Yeah. That's really so, cool because then basically I take my iPad with um with like OVJ Pro or whatever like the the nodes end up in and I can just mm-hmm. like have the whole iPad be a node in a larger network of 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 things, you know. Yes. Yes, and it means if I want to do spin-off apps sort of focusing on a particular thing, you know, for example, I've been thinking about ideas where I sort of basically make a a video synthesizer of sorts using shaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can, as long as I'm using my my core image filter based node format effectively for for the output, then I can just plug NDI on the end very very easily now with the library that I've built. So, you know, and then that opens up that software to then being part of this ecosystem as well. It's. Uh, it's definitely an enabler, it, it, and I love these that sort of thing. You know, yeah, that is really cool. It, it, it becomes bigger than it is, and uh, yeah, like I say, the ecosystem thing becomes a good thing. Uh, there's a world where you know somebody might decide to buy that that prospective video synth, who has no interest in running Go VJ, but they will use it with their other VJ software because mm. that has NDI input, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget, like, I have to be that nagging voice now. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to market that feature and oh, yes. have that feature on your landing page. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, not, not, don't, don't spend all the time, like, writing the cool feature, but also tell people about the cool feature. 100%. But <laughs> Speaking I mean... from, from, like, like, you know, like, to myself as well. <laughs> that sounds like the voice of experience there, Daniel. Is, is there well, anything in particular you're thinking of that, that, uh, uh, that. I'm just still in that mode where I'm like, I really, really, really want to write cool software. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that just like having like or running a business is more than just 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 the cool software. And yeah. a friend of mine asked me like ages ago, like, do you want to do this for fun, like just for your personal pleasure, or do you want to make an actual business out of it? And that should and the answer to that should guide your um, your actions and every year or so I come back to that, to that phrase or to that, to that statement. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I discover another dim- dimension to it because I, every year I'm like, Oh, now I got it. And, then, <laughs> <laughs> and somehow it, it keeps, keeps unpacking because I thought I would, I was doing that, but I, I've done a lot of introspection over the last few weeks and I'm realizing, yeah, I still programmed too much, which is, frustrating because there's so much to do because telemetry deck as is is just not as beautiful and powerful and awesome as the telemetry deck that could be that is like in my mind yes Um, but um i think as a society we all have to live with that like with that dichotomy we do and as as developers we do (laughs) as well right because the trouble is daniel you're you You'll know this all too well, but given an unlimited amount of time, you could make it be absolutely as beautiful and as succinct a product and everything else that you've got in your mind's eye, right? Mm-hmm. And so that becomes part of the the chase, part of the rabbit hole. You've got that vision and you know that given, like I say, unlimited time, which is not realistic for anybody, um, <laughs> That, that you could get there. And so, of course, it's going to keep nagging at you and pulling at you in that sense, right? Because it is actually possible, and it's possible to get quite close there by spending a lot more time on there. But the, the, the inverse of that is none of that really matters if you've not done the other things right. that you need to do to get it in front of people and to get people using the product. Right. And so, yeah, I'm just, um, so I think the effect that this has is on the software development side. I'm trying to get more focused. Um, so I want to work on the things that are tiny, but super important. And, and that will just yield the most, like they will, they will move the needle the most, you know? Yeah. Uh, And at the same time, um, I want to like, 
like the software development is kind of a reward for the hard work of doing the marketing and stuff. And I yeah. need to I need to learn a lot how to do marketing, how to not feel sleazy doing that, and how to just like <laughs> be ethical while still be like being effective. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm, I'm embarking on that journey, and uh, <laughs> let's see let's see where it leads. Um. I haven't done a lot um since our last episode just because um as we record this is like is january 2 mm-hmm. um so like just, there was this family and vacation or whatever and i've been <laughs> i've been crashing i've been crashing rockets um the only thing i have been like hacking up away at a little bit is um, multi-organization and i think i told you about this last episode already Mm-hmm. Um, a little let bit. me have a look in the show notes. Yeah, roles for roles development for telemetry. Oh yeah, yeah, and I have nothing new to report. <laughs> but that's um, as it should be. You've been having yeah. Christmas time and doing all those things. And yeah, I just yeah. noticed though, like just before we started recording, I have a link to a listener comment in uh, our show notes that I haven't addressed yet, um, okay. and I want to do that now. Um, so this it. is. Um, this, I posted a link, uh, I posted an image of my screen of my, of my whole desk, in fact, and the image shows my desk and there's like my, my screen on top of it and a keyboard and whatever. And then also there's a window directly behind my desk and the, op- the, the house on the other side of the street has a window and that reflects the sun directly into my eye, um, which happens during certain months for about three minutes a day mm-hmm. but of course like the person answering does didn't know that so holger krupp says um i'm listening to the current waiting for review and i just wanted to comment that this setup might not be the best it's not even allowed to play de- place desks oriented to a window like this in the company i'm working for windows should be on the side of the desk not in front or behind i guess that rule is there for a reason but of course not all home office setups allow it home slash office setups i want to say um mm-hmm. and yes holger is correct uh you should absolutely be sure to have a ha- have a glare free environment and if you have a window behind your screen most of the time you will have glare in your eyes and that's 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 probably headache inf- in- inducing um and it's also just generally not very good for your eyes um yes i have still decided to put my desk into into this uh niche of the of the room mm-hmm. um because on the like if like except for three minutes on in in winter months in the morning um this doesn't happen because the sun is just um this is like a north northward facing window so the sun usually doesn't doesn't get in get in my eyes um and the other thing is um i have a very bright screen so usually um my eye is not my eyes are not like focused on 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 darker things and then like still catching very bright rays from the outside yeah. um and but yeah if you have a good setup like you usually should have your screen like perpendicular to a window that's usually the best way to place it i have like like i don't have that luxury so i place it differently and i live with that compromise but holger's holger's absolutely right Mm-hmm. Uh, you shouldn't do that willy nilly. Yeah, fair play. And yeah, it's probably good to call that out. I'm just thinking about this now. I, I have literally got the the window perpendicular to this desk, mm-hmm. and kind of just through uh, happenstance and circumstance, rather than thinking about it too hard. So, uh, you know, I've kind of ended up with what you were saying was the ideal there. Um, and it is useful. It is good to have have the light coming in, but not have it directly, you know, interfering at all. Yeah, because like if if, if the light is from behind, then it will just re- reflect in your screen, and that's like that's super annoying. Yep. And yeah, if the light is kind of coming from over the, over the screen into your eyes, that's also not very good. And I think there are various laws and or guidelines, at least in Germany, that mm-hmm. where I just assume Holger is coming from. Let me double check. Mm-hmm. Potentially. Uh, yeah. That like so so that like if you are a workplace, you you have to have certain like have to adhere to certain guidelines on how to place um screen workplaces. Um yep. but yeah, this is um I'm my own employer. <laughs> so, 
it's not as it's not as if I'm going to sue myself. <laughs> no, no, that's fair. That's fair. And um, again, there's probably some level of of exception in practicality. And uh, looking at your picture with the desk in in the bay window, as it were, with with three bits of uh, of of window around it. If it was continuously an issue, you could put something up in that window yeah. to stop it, right? And, I, put, and I would. Like, yeah. like the, the, the picture that I took, that's absolutely annoying. Um, mm-hmm. If it were for more than, for more than just a few minutes a, a, a day. And even that, um, yep. I haven't sat, sat at this desk for a while now. It might already be gone. Mm-hmm. Or it might just go on for a few weeks um, more and then, and then be done. Yeah, because well, it's like the angle of the sun is different. I would suggest in that case, then at the moment that it happens, there is a signal to go take a break, yeah. <laughs> and go get a drink. <laughs> so <laughs> it usually happens at ten twenty a.m. And okay. ten is where our um, sync meeting starts with uh, me and Lisa, and sometimes Marina, our our um, our technical writer. Yep. And so they will just watch me just like get more and more glare in my eye and just like move to the side of the of my desk because I'm just like moving my my chair to the side just to be out, out of the glare because they will won't see anything except my face uh or they won't see my face as a white blob anyway. Um and so it's a great source of 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 fun for them. I'm just picturing you, you know, the only thing visible for the contrast is your, your blue beard. And then, <laughs> you know, you put your hand down and grab the sunglasses. Yeah, that's, that's, pretty, much, <laughs> that's pretty much what it looks like. Fair, fair. And, oh, yeah. well, that's, uh, that's nice to get uh, listener feedback, at, um, even if it's to, to tell us about the right sort of home office setup and, um, and that sort of thing. I think that's great. So, yeah, yeah thank totally. you, Hogger. Yeah, okay. thanks. Thank you so much. Um, if you want to send us, if you want to send us feedback, um, you can you can do so as well. You can send us email at contact at waitingforreview dot com, or just yep. mention any of our accounts um, on Mastodon. Really. Oh, David, yeah. I just found I just found a a screenshot that I took during one of those meetings. <laughs> um. Hang on, I'm going to post this directly to against the. Uh, I'm going to post it on Mastodon and then link it, link it here so people yeah. who listen yeah. can also can also see it. Um, because yeah, <laughs> it looks a bit bright, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. All right, it's posted. Okay, well we'll link that up in the show notes, yeah. and um, I'm just going to. Go ah, I lost it. I lost it. Uh, how do I? How do it's I find it again? Work. There we you go. Know, ah. Were we a professionally edited show, this is where I would clip things about or put some sort of intermission thing. <laughs> we can up. Have like a little intermission music. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, ding, that's, ding. that's not going to happen, though, I'm afraid. Yeah. Sorry. I'm um, sorry. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, you are. Um, you look like <laughs> the most anemic of potatoes <laughs> with glasses on there. Shine bright like a diamond. <laughs> And like it really is. I can't see your mouth. Uh, just see your, the 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 bit of your nose, and then your beard, and then your glasses. That is even better than I was imagining before. Yeah. And of course, you see that like, I'm 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 slightly off center. So usually I would go on to towards the other direction of the camera image and just be mm-hmm. in the shade. Oh dear me. Okay. Well. Anyway, anybody listening can can check the show notes on this and go and have a look. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna have to turn you into a sticker i think i'm oh, sorry Daniel. please please turn me into a sticker <laughs> um i have another topic actually we should I, I should i should like usually i write those down but right now that's just my head um mm-hmm. so uh we celebrated christmas with my nieces and um they got from me uh an old ipad um, okay I want to say no. I, I I really have no clue what the this is. It's about three or four years old. It still has a home button, but um, it's still very cool that they have an iPad now. And so they um, and so their mom, like I, I called their mom, of course, and was like, "Hey, can we gift an iPad to the to the kids?" And she was like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. They that would be very cool. But uh, can you do two things? Can you a 
just already prepared so that they can or like immediately use it. Yep. And B, um, add some kind of child protection stuff on, on top of it. So I was like, okay, okay. let's try this out. T- turns out this is a pretty difficult process because I, I'm not their parent. So I don't want to, mm-hmm. and, and also I'm, I'm already in a iCloud family with Alex. So I yes. can't be in a, in a different iCloud family, which is kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, because otherwise I would just have had, I would have added myself to their iCloud family as a parent. And then I could, I could install everything, you know, but instead I, I added their mom. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) every time I wanted to install something, (laughs) she would get a notification, had to approve (laughs) that, had to enter her password every time, her her iCloud password. And then, and only then, I could like install an application. So yeah, that was fun. But, uh, that, but that at least yeah. educated uh, her on on what she'll need to do as a yeah. parent. Um, but yeah. yeah, I created I created an Apple account for them with an mm-hmm. with an iCloud address, and that is also a FaceTime address. So we, like we, I can now FaceTime with them and and mm-hmm. iMessage with them. That's really cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I wondered like there's a and, and for. And then I also set up screen time. So from, I don't, I don't know, like 8 a.m. To, to like 9 p.m. or something like that, they can actually use the iPad. Outside yeah. of those times, they can still use FaceTime and iMessage. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and the weather app, because I'm, <laughs> I'm a very, um, I'm a very good, good uncle, like who, <laughs> who, who gives, you know, so many possibilities to his nieces. Um, but yeah, other than that, all the apps are in 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 um, screen time mode. Yes. Um, and for screen time, there's a, speci- a special like four digit code that you can set. And if you set this, if you enter this code on the iPad, then it kind of breaks out of screen time. So you don't have to ask the parent basically. So yes. if I work on anything like if when I when I worked on that iPad after nine p.m., uh, I would just enter the the code. I mm-hmm. actually forgot, but I had, had it written written down somewhere. So this is a code that the the kids are not supposed to know. Yes, and then I could can kind of break out of um, screen time without having to ask for for permission every time, uh, which was very helpful in setting setting up everything. And but that that's not a thing you can do for um, app setup that kind of thing. So yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, um, in the end, we decided, um, yeah, like after installing two or three apps, we decided, okay, let's just wait, like gift it to the kids then, and then decide with them together, with everyone on the same couch, what apps to install. Yeah, um, they want to do that one, anyway. Sorry, they they would want to do that anyway. You'd think that, but it turns out, so many apps these days have pretty complicated setup processes like for example learning apps um there's an account setup and then or or you need to log in with some account and then you need to like there's like a, a especially like german school apps yeah. there are tens of passwords that you need <laughs> to enter in the correct order and whatever and it was like this was super boring um um, but yeah, like one thing that also was frustrating was, um, so if the kids want to buy an application, so an application that is not free, yeah. um, it, it looks the same for the, the parent, the parent gets a notification and then it says, uh, instead, instead of saying, okay, the, the, your kid wants to, um, to, to download and install this app, um, it says like the kid, your kid wants to buy and install this app or something like that. Yes. And so you enter your iCloud password and it will actually buy it. And the thing is though, I did enable iCloud family sharing, which allows you to share apps and like inner purchases, that kind of th- kind of stuff between yes. accounts in the same family. And, and yet. Um, I wanted to gift them an app. Like I wanted to give them this, uh, they love this game Townscaper. Um, which, if you don't know it, is like a very meditative, um, like little app where you build a, a cute and tiny little town just by clicking on on squares, and then the squares become like buildings, and just mm-hmm. more to add um, levels. Basically, um, they love that game, um, and they've like usually played it on my laptop or 
one of my devices. And so I was like, okay, if I'm if, if we're gifting them this iPad, it needs to have Townscaper. So what I did was I gifted the app. It's like three bucks or so. I gifted them. I gifted that app to their mom. And so so now she has that app. Um, and I I I 100% expected to be able to install the app on the kid's iPad then. Um, and that didn't work. In the oh, end, no. in, in the end, she had to buy the same app again uh, for it to like show up on the kids. Ah, uh, yes, I know this. I do know this. It's similar for for things installed with um, a redemption code that the mm-hmm. developer has made as well. Um, so if you give somebody a a code to unlock an app, I don't think that shows up in family sharing for everybody else. For example. Oh, so the same. So, so, so you you think it it might have been because it was a gift, basically? I think so. Yeah, it's huh. gifted to you, not to the family. It's 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 Apple being Apple at that point. <laughs> oh my god, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, the yeah. whole inst- installation process could be so much better because both parties, the kids and the parent, even with Touch ID and or Face ID set up need to constantly enter their iCloud passwords. Yeah, I think you which, can set something on there where it'll remember for a little while, but yeah, I'm really but not sure. But only for a little while, right? Yeah. And I'm like, <clears throat> who needs this? Like, um, <laughs> there are, there's there's Touch ID. There's yep. a, a, like, there is also, the, also the iCloud, um, the iCloud password is in the password manager. Yep. That is built into iOS, and and then also um, there's like a a reasonably secure um, pin code on the iPad, and it could ask for Touch ID, it could ask for the pin code, uh, but no, it gives up. It it it's shows up a um, a box that says okay, enter the iCloud password here, and that um, is, doesn't even enable um, the password manager. I'm like ninety percent certain that there's some sort of setting for that. Because if my kids request something, um, yeah. I can I can sign that off basically with with Face ID mm-hmm. um, without having to to enter my password again. Because we in the in the beginning, yeah, it, it is kind of weird. Like I I went hunting a little bit, but maybe I missed it or something. Because in the beginning, we didn't have Touch ID set up because, of course, the kids hadn't seen the iPad yet. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have Touch ID set up, it will always prompt you for your password, but it will enable the password manager on it. So it's kind of mm-hmm. easy, you know, like just like tap the password manager thingy, then enter the, the pin and then select the passwords. And now that it does have Touch ID, it will still always ask for the password, but it's somehow incompatible with the password manager thing. That's weird. That sounds it is like weird. something's not quite right. And that's on the kid's iPad, but on the parent's iPhone in that case, it's kind of the same. Like it all, always wants a a password. So I think, mm, yeah, I, I think go, Apple could could do better here. I it is digging, it is really cool that go all these on the parent side mm-hmm. in the i in the App Store settings or mm-hmm. the iCloud settings because that has not been my experience on our huh. side. All right, that's yeah. good. So you've used this system as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've used it for for years now actually um probably going back seven eight years um yeah but uh if one of the kids requests something and it kicks up to to parental sign off as it were then i can i can validate that just with my normal like i say face id um verification on on my my iphone or my oh that's good to know yeah we need to poke around in um the like the the mother's um phone a bit more when i see her again yeah yeah there'll be a setting in there somewhere and uh yeah but it, it is clunky it is a bit clunky uh but for us it is definitely working you know, reasonably yeah, well i mean it is also very like there's various things that are really well thought out like for example um the the what did you, did you just call it when the parent has to sign off sign off something that needs mm-hmm. biometric sign off like yeah. um the, her her phone is uh, does have a touch id button still um but it like it that is one thing the phone will not allow you to do with just the pin code because the kids might know the pin code 
Yes. Uh, and that is just so well thought out. I'm like, yeah, this is really <laughs> cool. Also the also the um the screen time things. Like for example, the screen time will always give you one more minute. Like it will throw up a, a huge screen, like just blocking the whole screen as it says, okay, your screen time for this application is over. Um yep. but without parental sign-off you can still request one more minute and the ipad will just give it to you so you can like save your game or save your file or yep. close close it down properly and that's really smart or you can ask for 15 more minutes from the from the parent we had it um well so uh before this year my kids were using macs um they've they've since had uh, windows pcs uh last year for for gaming on uh, but they were using older Macs before that and playing things like Minecraft on there. And when we had screen time turned on for them, um, they found a few holes <laughs> inside of it. <laughs> so if your if your Minecraft game was connected before the curfew, uh, then it would keep running and it wouldn't disconnect. Uh, mm-hmm. Minecraft was able to sit outside of it and they could keep a game going for way past Ooh, their bedtime. Okay. <laughs> so that, that so was smart. interesting. That's on a Mac though, right? Yeah, 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 that was on a Mac. And and I think, to be honest, if they pushed it a little bit on the Mac, there would have been all manner of other edge cases to find as well, uh, just because the, the environment's that more flexible, right? But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and, and what we also found, of course, is as they got older, it was less necessary in some ways as well yeah. uh because yeah my, my kids are now well my eldest will be 18 in a, in six months time so yeah, and then uh, and then you you have a ceremony where you remove all the restrictions and you say like, okay kid you can now use this ipad even after 9 p.m congratulations <laughs> yeah <laughs> well no now we've moved on to a situation of um yeah, if 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 people are staying up way too late, then I can of course lock people out of the the Wi-Fi uh, at the router level. So we've 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 changed where the admin is. It's no longer in in Apple's tools, um, but I can do the equivalent of, uh, of <laughs> hanging up the phone line on them. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, is there possible? Like, can you that can you convert a kid's iCloud account to just like an adult iCloud account? Yeah, you can. You can. There's a process. Uh, yeah, but um, we'll see. We'll see. That'll be something we'll do do later on in the year. But uh, Daniel, one thing that I'm remembering, mm-hmm. sort of thinking about family sharing and all that side of things, is that this was something I did ages back before. Apple TV had a proper concept of, of multiple users. Um, one thing I did is I created an extra account. I created a, a, an I, iCloud account for the Apple TV. Okay. And then added it to our family. So the fifth member of our family is the Apple TV user. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that actually worked you know, reasonably well. I mean, you don't really need to hack around like that these days but uh yeah there was no way i wanted to be signed in on my main user and then whatever the the kids are playing through the tv or messing around with sort of starts to impact the view of my user Um, oh yeah i get that yeah i mean our apple tv is kind of just my account yeah then there's no kids and the cats usually just watch their one youtube channel so that's yeah but uh Things are a little little bad now. You can switch between users and stuff, but not that we do. We have the Apple TV user, and we just leave it there. But uh, <laughs> what's what's the Apple TV user's name? Uh, it's just our initials. Okay, so it's it's, it's like um, DTBL or something, and a load of other stuff at iCloud dot com. But uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean like this is. These are the sort of things, though, that until you need to use them for anything, they're kind of opaque, right? The sort mm. of family sharing and that side of things. And uh, I think the one thing that I would advise indie developers to do is to turn on um, the ability to share purchases or subscriptions with the family. Oh, is that something you can turn off and on? I think so, oh, wait, it yes. is. That's that yeah. setting, of course. Yeah. 
And the reason I say it's a good thing and a good idea is that I definitely know that as a as a parent, if I'm aware I can do that, that makes me more likely to spend that money, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas the inverse of that is that I'll be more likely to look for an app that does offer it instead. <laughs> so, you know, it definitely becomes something that I keep, a, I keep an eye out for because mm. it's one thing to say, okay, I'm going to get this thing and I'll subscribe for, I don't know, $10 a month, say, for this service. If everybody in the family can use it, then that's that's like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. If it's going to be that times each person, it does not make sense for a lot of things. Mm. Uh, and so the sale gets lost regardless of, like, you will never make three, four X that amount of subs from me. <laughs> no. Like, imagine mm-hmm. imagine the app is like, oh, yeah, you need to buy this for your kid's iPad as well. And you're just like, well, n- no. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I definitely advise that and having that turned on um, if your app is the sort of thing that multiple people in one household would like to use, you're more likely to get the sale if you turn it on, I think. Um, Obviously, you know, your mileage will vary, so test these things. But uh, yeah, 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 I definitely look out for those opportunities where where the subscription or the in-app purchase can be shared. Yeah. If anyone knows if I if if there's any possibility if I could be in two iCloud families at once though, hit me up because that will make things so much easier. <laughs> it really does feel like you should be able to. I'm sort of thinking about people with, you know, different lifestyle situations and all the rest of it. It makes sense that you might have the family you're living with and then right. if you've got shared responsibility of children but you're not living together, you know, that sort of thing. Like feels like there should be, should be some sort of ability for it. Of course there should. Yeah. And like, just, just like imagine divorced parents. Yeah. Imagine, um, I don't know, other like living situations where like multiple adults are raising a kid or whatever. Yeah. Um, or even at the other end, you know, like, uh, a grandparent and multiple, younger people in the family might have the responsibility for looking after them. I mean, I get that you don't want to share, like if you're Apple, you don't want to, you wouldn't want one family to pay and then have like hundreds of family members that all like share one Apple TV plus account or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, they are very smart people. (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure (laughs) they can figure it out. And yeah. Oh, by the way, like um, if this comes across as I'm like super, uh, nagging or I'm being very annoyed about the family sharing stuff. I'm not like, I'm, I'm appreciating the, that it's there. And what like, I just wanted to share my experience is what I, yeah. what I wanted to say. Yeah. Right. I, I'm very glad that it exists. It's, uh, it's funny, right? I mean, I'm, I'm out of date by probably nearly a decade now. So I'm hoping this stuff has come on, but prior to, to my kids having mm-hmm. iOS devices of their own, there was a brief period of about probably 18 months where they had Android tablets Mm -hmm. uh, because for the price of an iPad, they were able to get a tablet each. Right. And the experience there was terrible in comparison. (laughs) I'm sure Android has moved on in that time. Um, I would, I would very much hope so. Uh, But yeah, the experience of one versus the other at that point was, was dramatic. You know, in terms uh, yeah. of like Apple stuff just worked comparatively. I can imagine. Now the only problem is, um, I don't know what, like they, they're asking me like, what app should I use for that? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I'm not an <laughs> iPad user. <laughs> um, that's why I gave it away, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, um, so the, the older one of them is getting super into architecture and so right. she's like, um, she bought herself like various like architecture for kids, whatever uh, books. And she's like, what app can I use for architecture? And just, we've been both like searching the internet. And the first thing that came up was basically sketch. And I'm like, yeah, I've heard very good things about that or sketch up actually sketch up. Yeah. Um, I've heard very good things. It's a free app, right? So we're downloading it. And it says like, oh yeah, but please register here and then um, enter your payment details because SketchUp for <laughs> iPad actually costs 109 bucks per year. Oh no. Okay. And I'm like, ah, yep. Yeah. So now, um, 
So I'm, I'm, I'm so that's frustrating because like SketchUp on the on the desktop is just completely free. That's like one of their main selling points. Yes, and I'm like, ah. Oh. So um, I guess not because, um, like I mean, if she if she really like follows that up and like uses that every day, of course, like whatever, I I'm gonna pay that or her mom's gonna pay that or whatever. But um, for now, we just started with just a random here build a like interior architecture like build your house and then like add furniture kind of app mm-hmm. and she's kind of happy with it but still so um, if you have any recommendations i've got i've got a couple actually you could potentially try something like tinkercad uh, which is not specifically architecture oriented but would let her get a bit of sort of 3d design.com all right that's yeah. pretty cool um, I do believe the iPad version is essentially a thin wrapper over the web experience, mm-hmm. but it should still work. Um, so yeah, that that could be something that you explore. I'm leaving. I'm leaving that tab open. That's pretty cool. It has yeah. a specific children's privacy statement. That's yep. pretty nice. Yep. So um, that gets used a lot for sort of you know small models and things for 3D rendering, but in terms of being able to um, yeah, carve out the shapes of places and that sort of thing. Like it might be a, an adjacent experience, and I think that's probably as good as you're going to get in terms of iPad software. Mm-hmm. Sort of based on what I've seen my my kids do and and everything else is that you'll get software that's adjacent but isn't necessarily what you would use, you know, professionally. Um, the other thing to look at is does the iPad have a pencil? Uh, it does not. Okay. Uh, it doesn't it, like, like I have an I have a uh, pencil one lying around actually, mm-hmm. but uh, the iPad doesn't support pencil. It's, it's not a ah okay. It's not one one of them one one that supports pencils. In that case, I was going to say maybe like drawing apps and that sort of thing as well, um, because yeah. again, it's adjacent skills and and. Um, I mean, like if it doesn't, that. if it if there's nothing there, there's nothing there. You know, it's yeah. just. It reminds me of our discussion we had a few months ago about the Vision Pro and mm-hmm. that it will be like software-wise, the situation will be very similar to an to iPad software where yep. it's it's a very closed-down system and apps that are you're used to having on the desktop are just not there. And I wonder if yeah. if 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 Apple should reconsider um, their approach to to how they like their balance between security and 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 openness on the iPad, um, because like on the iPhone that ha- like everyone has a phone, everyone has like basically every 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 other person on the planet has an iPhone, so you're gonna yep. get a lot of apps. But on the iPad, it feels like even even die hard iPad fans are beginning to, or like these, you know, these productivity, I'm, I'm always on the iPad. I always do everything on the iPad. I'm looking at people like Frederico, Federico, Federico, Vitici, for example. Um, Even though they are slowly getting disillusioned by the fact that they just can't do the things that they need to do, or they can do that, but they have to jump through so many hoops. Yeah. And, um, they want to record podcasts, but you can't record um, multiple, uh, like with multiple apps at once. Um, yes. Or they, they, like they, it doesn't really have sound routing. Or yes. I don't know, like the sound routing so many things because there's no good reason for the iPad to not not support what the Mac can support in that that regard. Like there might be a technical reason I'm not aware of with the stack that's there, but it. Again, it just feels like something they could invest some time in, make happen on the iPad, and then again, you've then got a whole other area of capability then for for pro users. Yeah, um, it is frustrating. I, I, I've tried, you know, to use my iPad mm. as more of a daily driver in the past, and you know, come up against those sort of bits myself. I think one of the things with the Vision Pro that could be quite interesting is that eventually i can see this sort of somewhere in between the vision pro the ipad pro and then the the mac itself actually i can see there being the capability of apps that are sort of trying to serve all three in one way or another having a better time of it and i guess i'm thinking about like 
how with Catalyst uh, and Swift UI, you know, we've got options of of having a single code base, as it were, for mm-hmm. all three. I know there's nuance to that, and I know that there's a lot of things that Catalyst doesn't do very well, and all of that side of it. But I can see this point of convergence that kind of says, okay, if I if I build this app to work in this way, I can then serve three different types of software. Yeah. And I think that's a around. lot of the, the value proposition with Swift UI as well. And I totally get that. Like, for example, um, the very much abandoned telemetry deck um, mobile app is written mm-hmm. in Swift UI. And yep. it took basically three minutes to get it running on the on the vision vision um os simulator yep. so and and that's really cool and then i add in an, an hour or two of work and you have it like looking pretty sneaky uh, sleek so yep. <laughs> so that's pretty cool um and anything like that like a app to view your um to view your your charts and telemetry deck or a mastodon client or that kind of stuff mm-hmm. like you know like a phone app that is kind of blown up yeah, that's pretty easy to do, but like, um, I on on the on the desktop, people sometimes do comp- complicated things that rely on the interconnectedness between uh, applications. And I'm beginning to more and more see that the model of the iPad just doesn't do this. And yes. I think Apple has a certain vision <laughs> of the future in mind, and um, um, that is just very like sandboxed app based. And it's it like, is okay. We're gonna give you like these. 15 um, ways of bridging stuff and if you're like if if your use case doesn't work with that then you're just out of luck yep and yeah i think there's there's probably uh, some truth to that Uh, i think they should or they probably need to reconsider that at some point because the idea of just a completely new paradigm as the ipad is coming along and just like like succeeding the the mac and windows and whatever desktops is pretty cool, but it it won't happen this way, and it no. won't happen with the Vision Pro either. If it's if it's the same model, I think it will be exacerbated because there's more iPad apps than uh, Vision Pro apps, and of course you can run iPad apps on the Vision yes, Pro. Yes, you can. I mean, yeah. what, what's the fun in that? <laughs> I think I don't know if I think if I sort of zoom, stack, take a step back, zoom out mm-hmm. on all of this. Like the iPad's been in this world since forever right, in this sort of liminal space between it can do more than the iPhone can simply because it's got more real estate to work with sort of UI-wise. Uh, and yet it's it's bolted down to not be Mac-like mm-hmm. in terms of, of that. And and yet, you know, I've got an iPad, iPad Pro with the M2 chip in. It's desktop class, well, laptop class um, hardware, right? Mm. There's no physical reason that device cannot behave more like a mac to be honest with you it's got the ram it's got the chip it's got everything else um i but it's it's not apple's vision and you know apple's vision is multiple pieces of hardware that all interoperate very well and therefore you spend more uh overall than you would have done if you could just run everything on one thing um that seems to be their mo I mean, even yeah. with the Vision Pro, right, you're going to want to use AirPods with that to have the better audio experience, for example. Um, so I guess as developers, the bit to look at, and as users to some degree, is to look at, well, okay, with these multiple ways of accessing accessing data, accessing an experience, like what makes sense? You know, and mm-hmm. to, to think of that in that sense, because I'm, I'm, I, all this conversation is leading me to a point where I'm thinking about what I'm up to with with my my video mixing app, and the fact that I am now looking at making you know this this pro version of it that then runs better overall on on the uh, right. on on the iPad, and then mm-hmm. I will bring it to the Mac as well. I probably won't bother with the Vision Pro for it for quite some time. Simply because I, I don't think that, that anybody is going to be trying to use the Vision Pro to control um, the sort of experience that this app does. There's a future where people might want to experience different things that the app can control, and that's a different scenario. That's a, a, all, all the people in the room have got Vision Pros, 
and you're then performing for them in that layer. <laughs> I'd say that's probably quite a few years away yet. Yeah, um, I think so uh, too. But it's a nice, it's a nice um, like idea. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice vision. Speaking but, of, I had um, this. This reminds me very much um, of a thought I had the other day, where I was talking with, with a friend about how um, the cliche is that Gen Z don't know how to use computers, mm-hmm. um, whereas like like our parents don't know how to, how to use computers, and then it turns out that our um, the next generation also doesn't know how to use computers. But so we are like the generation that's kind of stuck in between that. That's supposed yeah. to know all, know all of this. Um, and they were like saying this tongue in cheek. And then I was thinking, well, I mean, on the one hand, this is very lamentable because computers rule everything around us. And you know, um, if you, if you have the, if you, <laughs> if you have power over computers, you have power over your destiny. Um, <laughs> but on the other hand, um, you know, whenever I have, I have like anything electrical in my, in the apartment that is mm-hmm. more than just, I don't know, it's like sticking things together, basically. Um, I call my dad because he, he like, he's not like, he's, he's not, he's not an electrician professionally, but he is proficient enough to do, like, to like strip wires and whatever without electrocuting himself. Yes. And I assume like working with computers, all capital letters is a skill that is just, something that you call your dad about, you know, or your <laughs> uncle in my case. Um, and, and that fits in with the, vi- the vision that Apple seems to have for vision OS and iPad OS, which is, yeah, yeah. Dealing with the, the problems and like dealing with the files and with how to present the stuff to you. That is the programmer's job. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they studied this thing or they learned how to write the software and they need to they take care of like how the data is managed and how the files are exchanged and how the streams of audio are connecting and whatever. You know what I mean? Like yep. less control for the user because they don't want it. So yeah, maybe they are even right. I, I would say for, you know, a vast majority of people, they are right. In that sense, and and that will run at right angles to people like ourselves and most of the listeners, you know, of the show in terms of being technical people, uh, because it's not fully right for us. I mean, I, I don't want a world where my Mac is locked down so far yeah. that I can't install what I want on it, for example. But yeah, a, a, a majority of everyday people using these these pieces of hardware, they don't care. You know, really, <laughs> they don't As care. Long- but the downside is that yeah. if you can't find a developer to make that app that you need for you, because maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's just not not commercially viable, or maybe Apple doesn't allow it for some reason, yep. then you're just stuck. You can't do it the hard way, where no. you like like cobble cobble something together on your own, and you can't get anyone to to make it nice for you just you're just stuck so and especially on platforms with um not as much um just as not not as not not as many programmers like the vision pro maybe like i hope not but like it might might be the case or actually the ipad right now it's kind of like yeah it's a chicken and egg thing you know (laughs) like if if Mm -hmm. if everyone was using ipads then the app situation would be way better uh but and if the app situation was way better then everyone would be using iPads. Yeah. And honestly, Daniel, I feel like that's been the iPad story sort of forever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, but I would say as, as developers, I think um, iOS developers, uh, iPadOS developers. iPados. Yeah. I think there is a window there. There is opportunity there. I hope so, because that's where I'm of going course. this year. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course. You know, we'll see. But uh, and it, but it really does, uh, that, that thing you were saying a minute ago about as developers, we need to handle that for the user, right? Mm-hmm. We handle the, 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 the gritty bit underneath. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And actually, if I think about the feedback I've had in the last couple of weeks with this perspective pro app and, and people sort of asking for features and things like that as well. Right. That, that is part of the power. That is part of it is, is that we get to be the ones doing that bit 
for people mm. and then enabling yeah, them and enabling what they can do. So, you know, not all and is we lost. pay 30% to Apple for the privilege. <laughs> yeah. Well, 15, Ooh, 15 for the moment. <laughs> you are indeed. You are um, feisty Dan. Feisty Dan. Yeah, maybe we should we should uh we should call it a day before <laughs> before I get even more feisty. Um but that has been uh really, really fun. Um Dave, where can find where can people find you online? Okay, yeah. So you can find me on the Fediverse, on the Mastodons at Dave at social. Fantastic. And where can people send um, comments and questions and stuff. We already said this, but I'm going to repeat it at contact at waitingforreview.com. That's send right. Send us emails, send us messages on comments. Uh, yep. we're not, uh, on, of, we're not officially on any other platform. I think you can also no. send, like, like send me a message on LinkedIn if you like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, uh, please rate us on iTunes or like that would be really, really, really nice. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Uh, oh, yeah. You can find me at daniel at social.telemetrydeck.com. And with that, I bid you adieu. Adieu. Oh. <laughs> so, goodbye yeah. then, Daniel. Bye. Bye.